Julie and I did this over Netflix party seats, you know, we're uh, sheltering in place basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're in different places. So we Netflix partied up for this and oh my God, we both were like, first scene. I'm yeah. in. <laughs> this is crazy already. This is a film that I'm glad, even though it wasn't as good as it is, you know, watching this movie with you in person, Terry, you know, we do what we can in these times of quarantine. Uh, I'm glad I watched it with someone somehow. Uh, Cause I, ha- I will say that is, you know, this uh, is intense. Yeah. Really intense, <laughs> you know, Very. and like not really. So I feel like watching it just alone, I feel like it would not be fun. Um, but you know, that's just my opinion. Depends on your style. There's some people that this is probably exactly what they want right now. <laughs> By themselves. I was like, this is like a movie I would watch like with the lights up at like 10 a.m. Okay. <laughs> this is like, you know what I mean though? Like, it's not one like, I was like, uh, I think both of us collectively at the end were like, uh, I, I was like, I'm gonna watch some comedy. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna watch some Great British Bake Off now. <laughs> That's the kind of film you're in for, folks. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the the final final girl. Hey everybody, welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Terry. I'm Julia. Uh, this week we're talking about 2016, The, the Eyes, Eyes of, of My, my mother. mother. The title of this episode is You're My Only Friend. Aww. Uh, this was written and directed by Nicholas Pesky, who also did The Grudge that just came out in 2020. Um, and uh, this film is uh, in stunning black and white, very beautiful cinematography Gorgeous. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels creepy uh, from the very beginning of this film i'm like already like just from the very opening bit where you have a truck coming along uh finds a girl looking not good in the middle of the road that just like lies down when she sees him and i was like right that doesn't look and after like we got these views of like this gorgeous like like tennessee kind of looking mountains you know of like just forest um, as we fly overhead to get to this shot. Mm-hmm. I think this was in the first like minute. Uh, so this is broken down into, s- into numbered sections. Uh, number one is mother. Yes, I mother, number one mother. Uh, they have a, a cow's head that they are dissecting on the kitchen table. Um, and the mother is showing little Fran uh, about the lens in, in, in your eye. I'm like... Yeah, Francesca. And so her mom was a, a surgeon in Portugal. Mm-hmm. Um, we find out that's, you know, where they got these beautiful accents from. Um, and speaking and Portuguese, uh, some in this mm-hmm. film as well. Stunning. And so she's letting her know what it, you know, Portugal, we don't practice on people like they do here in America. Um, we would practice on animals like cows. And and so she was showing her different pieces of the eye and how it worked because she was an eye doctor or an eye surgeon. And then uh, this uh, very amiable looking gentleman, Charlie, shows up. Um, and just wants to use the restroom and he does, he's been talking to Fran. He looks very friendly. He's got a very charming smile. Got a traveling salesman kind of vibe too. So there, she's like the, the first mom is like, I'm not buying what you're selling. We don't need it. We don't want it. Like 
move on. He's like, no, no, no. I just wouldn't like to use your restroom. Mm, yeah. But as, as Terry and I know from watching a bazillion horror films, you never let this guy in, no matter how charming he it's is. You're like, life. you're like, you're a dude. <laughs> just go, 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 go wherever, go in the bushes, man. Sorry. No. Yeah. Find a spot. Like they're literally out in the middle of nowhere too. So it's like, there's so many places he could go find, uh, just handle it. But, yeah. uh, she unfortunately decides to let him in. And like, as soon as she does, he starts acting kind of weird. And this, she's like, where's the, you know, he's like, she's like, okay, the bathroom's there. He's like, yeah, well, why don't, why don't you show me? And he's like, mm-hmm. why don't you walk me to it? Mm-hmm. No. And the, so then, uh, pulls out a gun and you're like, Oh yeah. So much trouble now. Aren't they? Uh, yeah. And he's, she's been telling him like, my husband's on his way home. Like he's just running a little bit late and he's like, yeah, really? He thinks it's a story. Uh-huh. Um, and doesn't really believe her. You could get, you get that just because it's so tense and the situation. And we don't know yet either at this point, if she's got a husband coming home, we just know that it's just her and her daughter. And so she, um, walks him back to that bathroom and for better or worse, actually not for better, for worse (laughs) purely for worse and he brutally murders her you don't you only get a real brief flash of it thankfully it appears that he's bludgeoning her with something uh in a terrible way killing her with the butt of the gun i'm not really sure what he's doing we don't really want to know strangling her and whatnot unclear unclear Um, it's also black and white so it's just some of it you can't always tell 100 percent as it flashes over what's exactly going on either uh, but she, the husband does indeed come home and catches him in the act of doing this, um, and attacks him. And I, which I assume, you know, you assume kill him. Uh, but that turns out to not be the case. Um, just as, uh, knocked him out and has now tied him up in his barn. Yep. He's chained him up in the barn. Um, and this guy, Charlie, the, the stranger, um, starts wailing out there in the barn mm-hmm. and the dad is not all there. Uh, he's checked out, checked out. I would say checked out older gentlemen. Um, you know, uh, it seems like they had the kid later in life. They both like the mom also seemed a little bit older too. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, so he, I was just he, wondering, he's just sitting on the couch drinking beer. He makes her the little girl clean up the blood from her own mother's murder. Yeah. Uh, he's like, he just sits there. That up. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she cleans it all up. And then he insists that, you know, he, the, the guy outside is making too much noise. He's like, you need to go handle that. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? He's sending the little girl. At first I was like, I wasn't even sure that that was her dad. I was like, is this like some like weird child slave situation? Like what is going on in this house? Um, that he would ask her to, clean up a murder scene and help her um, bury her own mother as well in like right. the woods. Um, but she's actually quite kind to Charlie and picks all the glass out of his face and gives him stitches where, and so is like helping him. Um, and he doesn't really understand why, but she asked him just in a very matter of fact, childlike way, why us? And he just said, because you let me in. You're like, Oh, that's the worst. It's the worst yep. answer, but it's the true answer. It was a, yeah, it was a it was a um a uh, an assault of opportunity. Yes. You know? And uh, so, so he took but, it. and she asks him why do you do it and he says it feels amazing. Uh and then yeah he asks if she's going to kill him and she says why would I kill you? You're my only friend. I'm like, "Oh. Uh, that's a bad situation yeah. where your only you- friend is the guy who just killed your mom." Yeah. So you get that she doesn't really have uh any friends <laughs> whatsoever. Um, like we saw already, her dad was super checked out. The only person who really seemed invested in her 
just got brutally murdered. Yes. Um, and that's it. So she, um, goes back in the house after she's fixed this guy up, but he, he's still wailing and whatnot. So her dad's like, you need to go fix that. So she goes back out there and, uh, fixes it, uh, by fixing it. She takes, uh, she basically takes his vocal cords, like slits his throat and takes his vocal cords and gouges out his eyes. Mm -hmm. So now the guy is blind and can't actually scream anymore because he's been debilitated in this way. And, uh, she continues to take care of him out there though, bringing him food and whatnot. Um, and feeds her quote unquote friend. Like he's her favorite new pet. Very strange. And then we get this weird like moment after it's silent outside and she's done all this for her father where they have like a father daughter dance to this like Portuguese music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I think she's just trying to like get through to him in any way possible. Right. And like, this seems to be the only moment they actually have together where they're together and, and, you know, somewhat normal. We, I think the only time we ever see them anything somewhat normal between these this dad and daughter in this film. So this but it is, also still feels creepy as hell. Yeah, and let's, <laughs> this let's, dance let's, of death. It does, of course, it does. But like, let's just point out, like, this is chapter one, and we're like, man, yep, it's only going to get worse from here, isn't yep. it? And they're like, <laughs> chapter two pops up, and you're like, oh, oh, no. oh father. Okay, okay, so she's get to it. older now. Yes, she's a teenager. So we got like a time jump. Mm -hmm. And she's picking flowers as she thinks about her mother and she's hanging laundry in a line and still cleaning floors by hand. So we've got a little flash of like her from, you know, thinking about cleaning in the beginning and Charlie is still alive. Charlie's still alive and her dad is dead. Um, but she's not, she's so overcome with this only, like he was her father. He was the only other person she had that like she can't get over. Like she doesn't want to bury her dad. So she keeps her dad around even though he's dead. And a little psycho, a little mother and psycho kind of yes. And is like, moment. like snuggling mm -hmm. up with him under a couch, on the couch, under a blanket, watching TV. And then this was the one that Just I like they always did. This is the one that I couldn't do. This was the, she was like, she's bathing his corpse. Okay. Weird. But then gets in the bathtub with him to hold him while he's dead. And she's in this bathtub of like corpse water. Fuck. It's horrible. <laughs> Fucking that horrible. was a lot you know like i was like you know i get we love our parents and grief is very hard but damn i don't think i would get in the corpse water like that mm -mm. um so right after this that crazy ass scene we see her driving and we're like i was like oh my god they've never shown her like leaving anywhere other than on this property. So I was like, I didn't even realize she went anywhere, not there. Mm -hmm. Um, or that they even, you know, had that opportunity, but she drives this beautiful car, um, to this bar. And I was like, Oh, did not see that coming. No. Um, different location at all. Like I thought maybe she'd, you know, go someplace else crazy or go buy something to go commit more murder or something or something's going to happen. But no, she goes to this Donna's bar, this local watering hole, and she picks up a hot lady at the bar. A hot lady. Also surprising. I was like, well, all right then. Yeah, up. we. Yeah, I was like, both of us were like, I think we were messaging on that on that uh, Netflix party, like, uh, okay, all right, like this movie just got interesting. What's going on? What's going to happen? Um, and we also also made us. I think that's when I questioned. I was like, what year is this movie? Because up until now, you really didn't have like a lot of indicators of what era it looked kind of like the 50s or 60s or something like it looked old timey but it could have been the 80s it could have been a, a ton of different eras and i think that's um, part of the point is like living out in a place like that it really doesn't matter what time period you're in right because like you don't it's technology is not that really really that different if you're living it and no. working on a farm really remotely um right 
but yeah, but with the, with the fashion, like the girl's fashion, when uh, Kimiko comes in and I was like, I don't, I don't really know what year this is. And it doesn't really matter, but, uh, and that's mm-hmm. kind of a cool thing about it, but they seem to have, you know, Fran is kind of strange. She's very beautiful, but she's very strange. And so she's trying, Kimiko's, they're both awkward. awkward. Like don't get home with people a lot, like trying to dance around each other in a very pleasant, flirty way. They're both nervous. And like the way Fran touches her jacket that like Kimiko has set down on the couch. And yeah, she's it, like moves it to like where she wants it. <laughs> yeah. And they um, talk about, you know, um, Kimiko has questions about the pictures Mm -hmm. that are in the house. um, And she sees one of Fran's mom and asks her about her and, like, what was she like and what kind of mom she was. And she's like, we used to to do dissections together. Like, that's a... Yeah, she talks surgery talk. And she tells her, you know, about, like, how her mom was a surgeon, but how she would have her help, which is, you know, odd. Yeah. But then they have a moment, um, and Fran doesn't really answer right away, but they have like this awkward kind of hug in the midst of that because I think um, she feels bad because she didn't mean to pry about, you know, her dead mom mm-hmm. um, once she realizes that's the case. Um, but I'm sure Fran hasn't been held in so long. And so there's uh-huh. this kind of moment of her, like, you know, melting into this other person. Um, I feel like she was, like, never held except, like, by her mom, really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, though? Like, it's wild. And Charlie, kind of. But not really. Like, even then, like, she holds him. Like, she's never the one who gets held. Right. And so while they're in this embrace, she's like, oh, and your dad? And she says, I killed him. I'm like, sure. point blank. She just confesses to, wait, to wait, scroll. Wait, what? <laughs> Like a joke, uh, uh, right? No, no, not a joke. No. So Kimiko, with good final instincts, is like, well, okay then. Guess I time for me going. to go. Yeah. See ya. I can just walk. It's no big deal. Like you know, I don't uh, need a ride back anywhere. I'm good. Yeah, it's fine. But and no, there'd be like this hard cut to just friend mopping up blood. You're like, oh, damn. And packing me and putting it in the refrigerator. Yeah. So true. this felt very Sweeney Todd. Uh, <laughs> She's using, hey man, if you're out there, meat is meat, right? Is that, and she's using that to feed herself or to feed Charlie? These are questions I have. I have no idea, but I wouldn't say meat is meat. Uh. (laughs) Well, no, you're right. If you will, if you're a psycho. psycho. Um, So finally, she brings Charlie into the house, which seems to be for the first time. Uh, Because she's hungry for attention. So she's, everybody's gone now. Like everybody's dead that has been near her. And so, except Charlie. So she decides like, Hey, this is my last living person. She decides to finally bring him in and clean him up. I can't imagine. Like one would hope, I would think that's been his only bath since he got there. Right. Yeah. I feel like they've been sponge bathing him like out there by the chains. Like this is his first time in the house and she puts him in the bath and gets him all cleaned up so that she can, Take get on his bed. body and take adv- take advantage of him. And when she wakes up in the morning, he is trying to escape. He's just yep, gone. gone. He's just running in the field. And you're like, oh, yeah. But he's blind, you guys, and he can't doesn't have vocal cords, so he can't yell. And he's blind and he's naked, so he doesn't get very far out to the back through the backyard. No, and they do um, these very beautiful shots. Of, like this is shot from like a very long shot through the window. So you can just see him running and her coming after him for a very long time. It's very beautifully done, if not, you know, terribly brutal. She finds him out there and hugs him. And this is the craziest scene, I think, of the movie to me that I was, this mm. is what I think thought about most after like, whoa, um, she hugs him, but she's got a knife. 
So she's stabbing him and hugging him at the same time and moaning almost like she's having sex with him. I would like called them sex stabs while she's stabbing him. Um, it's really, and it's really upsetting. Um, and I just wrote in my notes, I put, he chose the wrong house that day. He sure did. Yeah. <laughs> they made him pay. Um, yeah. So, and she, and then she says to him, you're, you're right. It does feel amazing. You're like, Ooh, okay. Yeah, Cause he had told her, he had told her like, it feels good to kill people. So she took his advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and we cut back and dad is still, uh, all psycho mother style, like in the living room. Um, and she dances like for her dead dad in the living room, kind of like a mirror of what them dancing from the last chapter before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. she's cutting Charlie up. She's putting him in the fridge. Everybody, uh, everybody's going to get eaten. <laughs> They're all yep. put to good use. So then she has like a bonfire and um has says a prayer of loneliness um as she's you know burning evidence and whatnot out in the yard. Mm-hmm. Um and she really prays about being really lonely. And I think this is one of the saddest things about this character is that you get like if somebody maybe had like taken any type of interest in her, like for real interest as a child besides her mom, um, maybe she would be a little bit different. But because of like a series of like weird events that had happened in her life, like this is where she's at. Mm -hmm. Um, But she wants something, a miracle to happen. So she goes out and she um, hitchhikes and um, meets this lady who's uh, driving around with a beautiful baby. Yes, this is chapter three, family. Uh, So yes, a cute cute little baby. And uh, so they take her back to her house and she just wants to hold a baby just for a second. Can I just hold a baby for a second? And already you're like, it's like the beginning where Charlie's trying to get in. You're like, please don't, please, please don't do that. But of course yep. uh, the lady is like, well, just for a second. And of course just, she just takes off with the baby into the house. And praising like her mother and, and thinking that her mother has sent this baby to her from the great beyond. This is the um, miracle she prayed for. Right. And so the lady rushes to the house and like, you know, follows her um, and gets she into the house. Sets this perfect trap that would, every mom would fall for the strap. There's no way you could not fall for the strap yep. where you hear your baby crying upstairs. And of course you're going to go straight to that room. Of course you will. And of course she like looks carefully in the room, but uh, Fran is behind her and stabs her from behind. Stabs her in the back. And then just goes in, into the room and starts picking up the baby and playing with the baby as the mom's crawling on the floor with the knife in the back. Really sad. And she takes the mom and puts her out in the barn where she had Charlie before and does the exact same thing she did to the Charlie, takes the mom's eyes out, sews them shut like a freaking rag doll, takes out her vocal cords like the last guy too. So now all she can do is hiss and make like a, like a guttural sound. She doesn't have any more actual ability to speak. So there's no way to call for help. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear that on the TV as well as they're playing House on, of Haunted Hill on there. Oh, and yeah. uh, so they're literally like kind of mirroring what's kind of happening um, in this film. Because um, then we, we do another time jump. And now we have Antonio, who's a little boy, who is now like a five-year-old boy, five, six-year-old boy. Yeah. Yep. Um, and here's because she he sees his mom going out into the barn and like well he doesn't know what's in the barn and she's told him not to go in the barn but now he's gotten to an age where he's like what the fuck Curious. is in the barn you know yeah so every he, kid always especially when you tell them not to go do a thing they're gonna course. go do the thing uh so he goes to go see what's in the barn and uh the mom comes rushing out in this horrible way that just you know he goes running screaming uh well she comes hissing at him it is literal nightmare fuel yeah is what it I really wrote is like crawling out of the shadows <laughs> like a monster 
making in the human noises. Like with eyes, you know, sewn shut, like yeah. pul- like pussy wounds and like all that stuff and like hissing at you like a freaking animal. But the mom has now heard her child and I think has still has that part of herself where she knows what it is. That was him. Yeah. And she tries to break free from the barn now. Um, but her chains are too loud and she's, you know, pushing and pulling and trying to break free. Um, and he, but, uh, Antonio asked his mom, like, who is that person in the barn? And so now he knows, she knows, he knows. Yeah. So mom eventually does break free of those chains. Um, and she's dragging those chains. Yeah. Cause you know. the little boy goes to unlock and unlocks the door, the door so she can at least get out. Like he's not yep. going to go up there and do the chains for her, but if she gets out, he can let she at least get out. So now she escapes and uh, comes all the way back around to the beginning where we now realize this is who was shambling down the road at the beginning of this film. Uh, looking With the truck driver, mm-hmm. looking terrible, super awful. So she looks like just, she is, she's an escapee. Um, we're dragging the chain. She's, you know, bloody all over um, and lays down in the road to stop the truck. Um Oh, and, and then, then we the, cut to Fran where the police mm-hmm. are coming uh, to get her. Oh, and but no, yeah, first she takes up her mom. Fuck, I forgot. Yeah, this is, <laughs> I was like, don't forget this is a crazy sequence. No, uh, yeah, no, Fran, Fran digs up her mother, and the uh, yeah, Fran starts digging up her mom. And like, I was like, is she killing someone else? And I was like, no, she literally goes and she gets her mom out of the grave to hold to talk her. with her. Yeah, yeah, and hold her one more time. Um, God, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then, uh, yeah, police arrive and uh, Fran is kind of shielding Antonio, but she's got, she doesn't know what to do, where to go. She's surrounded and it's all kind of uh, for naught. Uh, and we hear caving in uh, one shot and then that is all. So we don't know if the police shot her, if she got her, one of her guns out, like Did what she happened? Did she shoot herself? Did she shoot Antonio? Shoot Antonio. We yeah. We will not know, but those are the eyes of my mother. Yeah, I wondered if it was going to be like a suicide pact or like what was going to happen. Um, uh, wow, this film though, right? Gorgeously shot, beautiful performances, really intense. Uh-huh. Um, this is this is one of those ones like we said, like not a like if you are ready to go down the like a sad rabbit hole and you need that. Uh, this is a high recommend for a sad rabbit hole. Um, but if you want something a little more redemptive in some sort of way, this is not your movie. <laughs> well, you know, it, like- <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's a, you know, it's a sad film. It's that kind of, you know, and it does, you have such big psycho, you know, re- switch gender reverse kind of influence. And I think interesting, you know, you have these lonely people. And I feel with Norman Bates as well. Like would Norman Bates have been insane under different circumstances? Like it sounds right. like he had like very traumatic experiences that caused him to be who he was so was he crazy before or do those experiences make him crazy then same with this like i don't think fran fran didn't seem crazy to begin with so but you have this character that just gets warped by these in horrible things that she ends up seeing and being involved with and like why her dad decides to try chain charlie up in the shed and not kill him is not something that's ever really discussed beyond me yeah that was the weirdest thing to me too i was like why did he do that um, cause that really seems to set her off. And also like if she's got time with this guy and he's influencing her, that's ultimately how she ends up murdering people too, right. you know, because he says it feels good. 
um, it is more like that seems like a nurture conversation because she's like, she's like the most sweet little angelic little thing. The beginning of the movie is like her playing in the fields, like with flowers with her mom, you know, like, um, and seeing like, oh, this, she was this person who was connected to nature and seemed very sweet and like altruistic in a way. Cause her mom's like wanting to help people and like talking about like, you know, surgery and not, you know, practicing on people, but making sure you're doing it ethically on animals instead. But then I guess it's like, is it a question of like the human animal? Is it different? What, um, separates us? I was just wondering what the greater like philosophy or question mm-hmm. of this was, of course, when something like, you know, is this much of a like juggernaut into the throat early and it is Um, you know this thing is like it isn't a fun movie to watch but it is a powerful movie to watch and it's something that i feel like i haven't seen a film like this really before um so that's always an exciting kind of thing to discover like oh okay is it has influences obvious influences but it's also doing its own thing in the most interesting way and to have this character a friend where like i don't even really know how i feel about her because she's you know she's she is obviously a monster but then you also feel terrible for her because she went through some of these traumatic things so you have these conflicting feelings right and we thought a little bit we were talking about i think this too but reminded me a little bit of the woman uh by oh, lucky yeah. mcgee mm-hmm. um and and dealing with like you know humans in captivity held up by other humans and who's the monster right you know depending on what's going on and what drives that is that like we talked about like is it an animal instinct or the nature of it so Another study on that. I think it would be an interesting double feature to have those guys together. I don't know um, if I could watch this back to back. It might destroy me. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the faint of hot double feature. Yeah, someone more hardcore than I. Um, so oh, then, you're pretty hardcore. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, and also shout out to um, the actors in this film. Will Brill, who plays Charlie. Uh, Kiko Magna Heiss, who plays Fran. Uh, do an incredible job. And um, the cinematography again. And just gorgeous. Um, so gore factor, uh, one is yeah. not enough blood to go to Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to go out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood and five is run for the barf bag. Even though this movie is shot in black and white, this still gets a five for gore. Um, yep. you, when you're sewing people's eyes and, uh, throat slit and throats and putting their bodies, their meats in the refrigerator. Yeah. I think that counts. And also literal bathtubs of blood, mm-hmm. um, being cleaned up. Uh, I think is going to fall under that five category. Um, Let's talk about our our overall ratings as well. Um, Zero to five chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. Five, fantastical. I gave this a four. I thought it was not too shabby. It's not my favorite type of thing to watch, but I was also super mesmerized the whole way through and Mm -hmm. on the edge of my seat um, from that first shot. Um, I was like, oh no, over like these back with the hills, you know, always when we're in the countryside when there's a, not a lot of uh, people, right. anything can happen out there. And that's always a little bit terrifying, I think, um, in those isolated places because uh, there's no one to find you. Um, and that was swiftly happened right away here. Right. Um, I gave it a, th- a three and a half. Um, I really uh, think it's a beautiful film. Um, but I didn't particularly enjoy watching it. You know, it made me feel, cause the thing is, is like, there's the, I, I, I want to, I don't know how to say it. Like, I don't think, I think it's a really fantastic film. I think I can see the filmmaking and how, and I love everything about that, but it's not the kind of horror film I particularly like, I guess, you know, there's just, yeah. 
that's all I can really say. It's not, that was not very eloquent. I was trying to be. <laughs> you know, there's some stuff that resonates. We all have like our wheelhouses and like kind of our favorite things like in horror. Right. There's so many different genres and stuff that really resonates and types of stories. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was really punishing. And I feel like this is not always, you know, you're, sometimes you're not in the mood for to be punished, you know, kind of punished through a film. Yeah. And that's what this feels like. It was very punishing, but I was, I was here for that ride and I thought the tension was really cool. Um, I, I guess I either like really punishing things are really funny. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not good in the in-between <laughs> as I've discovered. So here we go. We'll see which one this falls into next week. If it falls into any category uh, next week, we're going to be talking about color out of space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which of uh, Nicholas Cage, uh, you know, being insane. Uh, right, and a Spectre Vision, which we love as well. Spectre so. Vision, we love you. Um, we'll yeah. talk more about that next week. Um, thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, please do check out our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Patreon, uh, and 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 help spread the word, uh, especially in this time of a quarantine. It's always nice to uh, be promoted a little by those who uh, can promote. Yeah, share share the word if you can. Um, if, if you know, it's a weird lonely time, but it's nice to have some like sweet voices talk to you. I think I hope I enjoy listening. I listen to the show too, uh, especially on days that I'm like, oh, I need to listen to some people and, and feel like I'm a part of a conversation. Um, yeah, share the conversation. We really appreciate it, and we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, we yeah. hope that we can help. We can uh, you know make you feel a little less lonely uh, talking to you uh, here because we are thinking of you in wherever you are. So we will see you next week. Thank you so much. Underneath the same bright sky. (laughs) Stay safe. Stay healthy. Thanks. See you next week. Bye.